0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters,
1: care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Mary, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well. I'm going to do shameless plug here. For all of you seniors out there that really want a senior dog, Darla. I have a foster dog, Darla, and she is just a doll. She's a German short hair pointer. She would love a place to live out her golden years. She is so sweet. So anyway, send me an email, Aging matters <laughs> at transitionslifecare.org
1: hook up with Darla, (laughs) make a a match made in heaven. Let's see that happen.
2: She's so sweet. I really want her to find somewhere great.
1: Excellent. Well, let's get into the topic at hand. It is about that time of the year where Medicare enrollment, annual enrollment is happening. And this is always a subject that needs our attention because a lot of information always changes every year. And it's critical that we get information from credible and reliable sources. And that's why we are always happy to turn to our friends with SHIP, the Senior Health Insurance Information Program. And we are very pleased to welcome onto the show Rhonda Naren. And Rhonda is the Southeast Regional Manager for SHIP. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me this morning. I'm I'm delighted to be here with you. So I saw Rhonda at, um, at an event, Caregivers Conference, oh, with uh, Nicole Claggett, who used to be the host of the hostess of the show. Um, and I was so excited to run into the, their table at the Caregiver Conference because I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do a show on this because Medicare enrollment's coming up. Um, yep, and perfect so, timing. Perfect timing to run into you. Um, n- maybe we start back. Let's step one one step back. M- not everyone knows what SHIP is or what it stands for. Um, Rhonda, can you start there? What is SHIP and, and what do you guys do
3: okay ship is um, the seniors health insurance information program and we are housed within the North Carolina Department of Insurance and we provide um, Medicare counseling um, outreach and education about Medicare across the state Um, we have a call center in the Raleigh office and we assist medicare beneficiaries with their medicare enrollment questions um, comparisons each year um, we're, we're here all year not just during open enrollment that is
2: wonderful and are you a paid service or is this a free service to the people of north carolina it is an absolutely
3: free service to the people of north carolina and not only do we have um, our department of insurance ship Um, employees located in our um, Department of Insurance building in Raleigh, we also have a coordinating site in every county of the state. Um, And so we have a local site so that people all across the state have access to in-person counseling appointments um, for their Medicare health insurance needs.
2: That is incredible. I don't think this is well-known enough, so I'm really excited to have you on the show. So Medicare enrollment is coming up. Can you tell us the details? When do you make changes? When do you sign up? What are the details?
3: So what is getting ready to happen, it happens every year. It's called the annual um, Medicare open enrollment period. Um, So for folks that have a Part D prescription drug program, prescription drug plan, this is the time to compare your plan for the upcoming year. And the reason that's so important is these plans change from year to year. Um, the medications that are covered on the formularies can change, the premiums, copays, and deductibles can change. And so you wanna make sure that you are on the plan that covers all of your medications at the cheapest out-of-pocket cost to the beneficiary. And so the time to do those comparisons is october 15th through december 7th each year it's an annual period and the changes that you make are effective january 1 of the following year
2: so now is the time now is the time to be thinking about this yes so for those that are Um, go ahead no, you go ahead. Go well, ahead. for those that are new to Medicare, I wanted to run through some of the basics, um, A, sure. B, C, D. Where there's a lot of alphabet letters here that can get confusing. And then there's the Medicare Advantage, which is a whole new thing that not many people completely understand. So can you t- run through some of the basics of the different Medicare parts, A, B, C, D?
3: I'll be happy to. I call it alphabet, Sue. <laughs> it sure um, is. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> So um, there are different parts of Medicare. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, And so that's where outreach and education becomes so important to make sure people understand what Medicare is and how it works. So Part A is your hospitalization coverage. Um, Part A is free for most people. If you have worked 40 quarters or 10 years and paid into the social security system, Part A will be free for you. Part B, as in boy, is your medical health insurance. It's your provider coverage, your outpatient appointments, your lab and um, x-rays and tests like that. Part B, um, there is a monthly premium for Part B and for most people. Um, currently, that premium is $164.90. It changes from year to year. This year, it went down a little bit. It went down about $5 from 2022 to 2023. We don't know what it's going to be next year for 2024. Um, that's the ba- that's the premium that most people pay. Um, if high wage earners, there's something called IRMA, which is an income-related monthly adjustment amount. That monthly premium for Part B could be higher than that for those folks, but everybody pays premium for Part B. Um, Part, I'm going to skip C for now. (laughs) Part D is the prescription drug um, plan that covers your prescription medications. Um, And Part C combines original Medicare A and B and includes drug coverage in most cases so you wouldn't have to have a separate drug plan. So it's just a different way of getting your Medicare health insurance.
2: Interesting. So So why would you turn
3: 65 or going on Medicare for the first time? That is when these decisions have to be made, whether you want to go with original Medicare and pick a drug plan Mm -hmm. and potentially a supplement. Or if you want to go on an advantage plan, which is Part C, which combines all the other alphabets together into one insurance product for the beneficiaries.
2: So why would someone want to go on Part C versus ABD? Um, what are the <laughs> benefits of going on a Medicare Advantage plan?
3: Well, everyone's situation is uniquely different. And um, what works best for one beneficiary may not be what works best for another beneficiary. And they work um, similarly, in that they cover the same set of benefits, um, but with Advantage plans, there are um, quite frequently Advantage plans that have a zero monthly premium, other than your Part B premium, um, and they offer uh, 0 copays for your primary care visit. So your initial mm. monthly out-of-pocket expenses might be a little bit less upfront if you have an Advantage plan. Whereas with original Medicare, A and B, with a drug plan and potentially a supplement plan, you your fixed monthly amount might be a little bit more up front. But when you use that insurance, you pay less, if that makes sense. It does. It's- um, and what works better for one might not be what works best for the other. And so, SHIP, what we do when we sit down with someone is we talk to them about their options and We just provide free, neutral, unbiased information um, to try to help folks make their own independent, um, to make the best decision for their Medicare health insurance. We don't endorse one plan over another, um, and we don't demote one plan over another. We just provide free, neutral, unbiased information so that they can make the best informed decision for themselves.
1: We're speaking with Rhonda Naren. She is the Southeast Regional Manager for SHIP. That is the Senior Health Insurance Information Program, and that is under the North Carolina Department of Insurance. We've got so many more questions for Rhonda. We will get to those right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News, Talk, Traffic
0: This is Aging Matters Care and Comfort that Surrounds You on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts Mary Lucas and Jason Kong Welcome back to Aging
1: Matters Care and Comfort that Surrounds You a service of Transitions Life Care It's Your Life, Your Care on FM 98.5 AM AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Rhonda Naren. Rhonda is the Southeast Regional Manager for SHIP, the Senior Health Insurance Information Program, and that's under the North Carolina Department of Insurance, and they are able to assist those who need assistance with choosing the right Medicare plan during open enrollment, which starts October 15th. So that's why it's so timely to have Rhonda on, and we're so grateful for your time today, Rhonda. And I know we've got a few more questions here for you.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. There, Absolutely. There, uh, there is another program along with SHIP called Senior Medicare Patrol Program, and I was doing some research f- for the show, like I always do. I do a little bit of digging, um, and I found this fact on your website, and I was just shocked. Uh, $68 billion of taxpayer money is lost annually to billing discrepancies, fraud, abuse, and waste. In the Medicare program. That is mind-blowing to me. Um, so, Isn't it though? Oh gosh it is. I mean this is something that is affecting us. What is Medicare fraud? Where is this coming from?
3: Well um, Medicare fraud happens when someone knowingly deceives Medicare to receive payment when they shouldn't or receive a higher payment than they should. Um, so it happens more frequently uh, you know than than we realize apparently 68 Mm -hmm. billion dollars annually is what's estimated um that it costs um here in the united states and that you're right that is a very mind-blowing number Mm -hmm. um that is shocking when you say it out loud
2: Mm -hmm. and we also hear medicare abuse what is the difference between fraud and abuse and maybe some examples of each?
3: Well, it really boils down to intent. Mm-hmm. Fraud is an intentional deception or misrepresentation of services that the individual knows is false and could result in, you know, unauthorized reimbursement for Medicare to a practice or facility. Um, abuse um, is Practices that might be inconsistent with sound medical business or fiscal practice. Um, both activities have the same effect um, when it, you know, it's Medicare dollars that are being spent fraudulently um, that take valuable resources from Medicare trust funds. You know that we've mm-hmm. paid into, and and we want it to be there for years and years to come. But at sixty-eight billion dollars a year in in fraud, um, you know. I, we worry that it's not going to be there as long as we need it to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, abuse is considered really a lesser offense. Um, let me think of an example. Okay, fraud would be like a doctor or a practice soliciting new patients by offering waived co-payments and then billing Medicare mm. for those for that. Um, billing for services that weren't furnished, like if someone is a no-show but they still bill um, as encoded as that person was seen in the office that day, or falsifying medical necessity for procedures to justify payment. Mm. So that's some examples of fraud. Abuse, um, some examples of that would be like questionable billing practices mm-hmm. and patterns. Um, overuse of healthcare services like scheduling patients for multiple visits to receive a higher reimbursement mm-hmm. or billing services at different rates to different carriers
2: that's very those would be
3: some examples of abuse
2: that's very interesting um, and there are some ways that
3: medicare beneficiaries can protect themselves from medicare fraud um, we always tell folks to treat their medicare number medicare card um, like a credit card number not to give them out to anybody that they have not initiated contact with you know if they get a phone call from someone saying hey you share your medicare number with me we can get you this you know free brace or you know free service if you've not initiated contact with someone don't give your medicare number to them Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Um, and to remember medicare doesn't call or visit to sell you anything if you get a call um, from someone saying they're with medicare um, they're not So don't give them your Medicare information and to keep up with to keep a record of your visits to the to your physicians and to your providers and to check your Medicare summary notices. Um, You know, they they are published every three months, much like an EOD for health insurance practice. When you're on Medicare, they're called Medicare summary notices. And it's a summary of what Medicare has been billed and has paid on your behalf. Um, and so sometimes you can catch a, a coding error. We're all human, we make mistakes sometimes. Some things can be a coding error. But if something pops up on your Medicare summary notice as for a service you didn't receive or a provider that you did not um, see on a certain date, um, then if you contact us, the Senior Medicare Patrol is housed within the SHIP division at the Department of Insurance that's looking a little wonky and you don't believe it's a service that was provided to you, then give our office a call and let us help figure that out and we can get the ball rolling on getting that looked at for you.
2: That is awesome. So there are a lot of different tools and services that SHIP uh, provides that we've talked about and that we've not talked about. There's some tools on your website that not everyone may know about. So talk to us through some of the services that you provide, why someone would come to you all and how they contact you.
3: Well, our website is a really great resource for people that are looking for um, information about Medicare. We've worked really hard to update that website over the past few years and make it meaningful for consumers um, that are using it. So there is some tools on there for um, comparing supplement plans. You can go on there and um, find resources for your local county sites, Like I said, we have a site in a coordinating site in every county. Um, If you click on the, um, the, the blog that says, how do I contact ship? Has our toll free number there. And I would be remiss not to give it out now. Our toll free number is 855-408-1212. Um, and you will get to speak to a live person in our call center. Um, if you um, follow the prompts and. I think it's select two for Medicare. You're going to get someone in our call center that will be delighted to assist you. You can, um, they can tell you where your local site is. They can give you information about your local site, phone number, contact information. And you can also find that on our ship website under how do I contact ship. There is a search feature to search for your local county site. And you can also search for a ship in another state. There is a SHIP, a senior health insurance program in every state as well. So if you have family members that live somewhere else that might need the services of SHIP, um, there's one in each state. It's not called SHIP in every state, but there is a program in every state.
1: Rhonda, for those of us who uh, need some assistance and who do call that one that phone number, 855 408 one, two, one, two. Is there anything helpful for you for us to have prepared ahead of time to maybe ask questions or help get the ball rolling quickly?
3: Yes. Like if you have specific questions, maybe jot them down so that you, you know, can make sure you ask everything and get all your concerns addressed. If you are calling during open enrollment for, um, to do a comparison of your drug plan or your advantage plan, um, Have your Medicare number handy. We'll need some information off of your Medicare card um, and have a list of your medications. We will need to make sure we have an updated list of your prescription medications that you're taking. And if you have any other type of insurance, that would be important to know so as well. Um, We see clients, we we can do in-person appointments. If you want a face-to-face appointment during open enrollment, we can do phone counseling appointments. And we can also do virtual appointments as well. So we have a a couple of different options for you if you do need an appointment during open enrollment.
1: Excellent. That's very convenient. You can find information on the North Carolina Department of Insurance website, NCDOI. Gov, or you can just Google NC Ship S-H-I-I-P, and it'll be one of the first results that you see at the top of the page there. The phone number, again, if you want to reach SHIP, is 855-408-1212. 855-408-1212. Rhonda Naren, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, she's the Southeast Regional Manager for the— for ship here and that's brought to us by the north carolina department of insurance rhonda we really appreciate your expertise and for coming on the show today
3: thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it
1: it was our pleasure we're taking a quick break but we'll be back with more stick around you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98 5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email Matters at transitionslifecare.org.
1: You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, news, talk, traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Hey, don't forget, if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Mary, we're going to shift gears here a little bit and broach a topic that I I think everyone is pretty much familiar with and we all probably have a a healthy fear of, but it's always good to address it. And so we're going to spend some time here talking about diabetes. And we are very pleased to welcome onto the show Missy Jernigan. She is a certified diabetes educator with the WakeMed Diabetes Management Program. Missy, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: And thank you guys. I'm so grateful to be here.
2: Thank you for joining us, Missy. I think that this is um, sometimes can be a confusing topic, especially for the aging population. I think many people think about diabetes as a childhood disease or something you find very early in life. And um, I am starting to realize that maybe this isn't always true. Missy, can you talk to us? Is it Is that really true? Can you develop diabetes later in life, or is this really something that's onset from childhood and maybe you find it later in life? Um, So maybe talk to us a little bit about that to kick us off.
4: Sure. There are really about three main types of diabetes, and the one that you're talking about is type 1. It used to be called juvenile diabetes because it normally affects people before the age of 30. And usually, you know, we see it um, in adolescents, um, but that would be type 1. Type 2 is mostly seen in people above the age of 40. And type 2 is more than 95%, between 90 and 95% of all diabetes. Um, however, we have seen a, a big increase of the incidence of people in um, who are much younger hmm. um, getting diabetes type 2. And then the third type that we normally see um, is diabetes in pregnancy, which sometimes is transient. It's only during pregnancy. So sometimes it can last after pregnancy, but usually once the baby's born, the diabetes uh, disappears.
2: Wow. So is there anything that you can attribute to the increase that you all are seeing in the type 2 diabetes for these people over 40? Is there anything that's pointing to it? Is there research going on to, to kind of dive in there? What What can you tell us about that?
4: The type 2 in people over the age of 40? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the majority of most diabetes. I guess m- most people don't know that because juvenile diabetes tends to be... Uh, advertised and talked Mm -hmm. about, but the elderly population, (laughs) I dare say elderly over 40, but um, (laughs) people above 40, I know, uh, people above 40 tend to have uh, much higher incidence of diabetes than um, the juvenile population is there anything
2: that is creating this greater risk to develop diabetes for the aging population or those over 40? Um, are there any causes that increase that risk for developing diabetes later in life?
4: Well, um, we tend to carry a few more pounds than, um, previous generations. That's one thing. (laughs) Um, the other thing is that we are living longer. So we have an extended period of time to develop it. Um, Thirdly, I think some of the foods that we eat and the lack of activity that we do tend to uh, bring it on a little better, or a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the medications we take tend to uh, cause it, even without any family history as well.
2: Wow, that's interesting. So if you've, I know that there out there, you can be diagnosed with prediabetes, and that might be a term that when you're at your physician's office, it might come up and something to be worried about. What does prediabetes mean, and are there ways that you can combat that now to prevent it from becoming type 2 diabetes?
4: That's a great question. Prediabetes is reversible, and it is the precursor to type 2, which is the older type of diabetes. Um, Some of the main things you can do uh, is get checked often, as often as your physician will say so. Usually over the age of 40 or 45, they start checking for that. But if they do tell you you have it, you want to concentrate on diet, exercise, and of course, course, close follow-up.
2: That's good to know. Are there different screenings for people with diabetes? And how often do these screenings take take place? Or how often should you be checking this once you've been diagnosed with diabetes?
4: Once you've been diagnosed with diabetes? Okay. Um, The A1C blood test is the most valuable one we use right now. Another good one is um, random blood sugars. So I'm going to talk about A1C first. An A1C test tells us, your average blood sugar for the past three months. And um, once it gets to 6.5% or higher, you have screened a positive for diabetes. Um, a blood sugar, a fasting blood sugar above 126, uh, repeatable several times, is diagnostic for type two diabetes as well.
2: Hmm. So what other complications that are related to diabetes are of concern in our older populations? Are there any comorbidities that would exacerbate diabetes or things that we should be concerned
4: about? Absolutely. So we know that um, hypertension or high blood pressure uh, definitely in combination with diabetes tend to be um, a pretty serious thing. But some of the complications we're going to see it for uncontrolled diabetes um tend to be blindness uh, amputations, heart disease kidney failure leading types to, to dialysis and even stroke
1: yeah that's some scary stuff missy you know for those who maybe aren't taking diabetes as, as seriously as they should uh, I mean, you've gone over some complications there, but uh, on a daily basis, how does diabetes, having diabetes impact your life and what are, you know, how, how does how does it, you know, uh, create a life for you that's uh, maybe not as convenient as it was pre-diabetes?
4: Convenience is a good, good word to use. It's not as convenient as um, somebody who doesn't have diabetes. You do need to check your blood sugars as often as your physician asks. Uh, And the goal, of course, is to keep the blood blood sugars controlled because that's what leads to the complications. We do now have something called a continuous glucose monitor that you can wear on your arm so that you do not have to poke your fingers three or four times a day. And it measures your blood sugar as often as every five minutes so that um, it can be reported on your smartphone or a pager-sized device called a reader. And so that you can, at any minute during the day, um, see what your blood sugar is. Some of these CGMs, or continuous glucose monitors, um, also have alarms that will let you know if your blood sugar is going too high or going too low. And I will admit, I wore one for a while just to see what it was like so I could teach better about it. And it was absolutely life-changing
2: How would you recognize signs of someone with low blood glucose with uh, cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's that may have other cognitive issues or make it a little
4: bit harder to catch? And that is exactly where I would use a a CGM. Um, With Alzheimer's, you know, there's already the cognitive issues. So sometimes um, you may see... um, A little more confusion, different than what you normally see in an Alzheimer's patient. Uh, You may see tiredness, um, Mm -hmm. either low or high blood sugars. So if I had somebody that um, had Alzheimer's or another cognitive issue, I would love to get a prescription for a CGM so that the caretaker could know what was going on without having to guess.
1: We are speaking with... Missy Jernigan and Missy is a certified diabetes educator with the Wake Med Diabetes Management Program. And we've got so many more questions related to diabetes for her. And we're looking forward to her expertise in that regard. And we hope you are too. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 985 AM680 WPTF News Talk.
0: Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 985 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong.
1: Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. It's a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care right here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Missy Jernigan. And Missy is a certified diabetes educator with the Med Diabetes Management Program. And surprise, we're talking all about diabetes and Mary, there's just so much we have to, to cover here in the next mm-hmm. segment, so let's get right back to it. Yes,
2: yeah, so I wanna shift a little bit and talk about the caregiver perspective of um, helping someone with diabetes, your loved one with diabetes. As a caregiver, Missy, what are ways that you, be, you can become more educated to help
4: your loved one? Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Mm-hmm. So of course, when you love someone, it's natural to want to help. So one of the first things you can do is make sure that you understand the medications that they're taking, how to give them, when to give them, and the side effects.
2: That's a good. That's a very good tip. I think that for many people who have diabetes, it's it's hard um, to you know it's a very constant thing that you're paying attention to, watching. You know, you're very aware of what you're eating, your medication, um, and the management of your disease. How do you avoid as a caregiver being the diabetes police um, and, and really driving your loved one crazy, trying to also manage it as a caregiver and kind of being on top of it. Are there tips that you have for caregivers to avoid being this diabe- filling this diabetes police role?
4: Yes, I do have a couple of ideas. Um, you know, we just want to help as the diabetes police people, our caregivers. Um, but it can also cause strife in the relationship, um, and that's not always good. The one thing I would like to always ask is that we make the individual as um, self-helping as, uh, as much as they can be. Um, if there's even one little thing that that person can do for themselves, teach them how to do it so that they're involved in their own care. Um, ask them if they want chicken or beef. Ask them if they'd like uh, green beans or broccoli, um, that kind of thing. So make sure that they um, have a role in their own care, um, know how to do as much as they know how, and then try your best not to truly be a police officer, but a guide.
1: That's great advice. And uh, Missy, we love what you do, but uh, as much as we love what you do, I, I think we'd all like for our family members not to have to mm-hmm. go visit you. So, what are some tips that you have for uh, those who, uh, you know, could be uh, high risk for diabetes? What lifestyle changes could we be making to make sure or at least prevent seeing you as much as possible? <laughs>
4: um, consistency. Um, try to. Always make sure you get enough water in, as long as your physician says you're allowed to. Uh, Try to limit your starchy foods. Now, a lot of people think sugar is the only thing that causes high blood sugars, but it's any kind of starchy food, such as bread, potatoes, rice, pasta, and believe it or not, even fruit. So a lot of people think because it's a natural sugar that it doesn't cause your blood sugars to go up. Uh, Make sure that you're eating fresh foods fresh foods instead of canned, and the second best would be frozen after fresh.
1: Gotcha. That's good advice. And, you know, little changes like that can really go a long way.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, something that I've heard and talking with patients before, or my grandmother even mentioned it um, back in the day, but um, shoes are so important for um those with diabetes i think that maybe diabetes patients might be more likely to have infections from um and feet i know missy you mentioned it earlier in the show or something that's um it's very important to keep an eye on as a caregiver for those with diabetes can you talk to us a little bit about the daily grooming why it's so important for someone with diabetes to or a caregiver to kind of have a close eye on these things and um and diabetic shoes there those are a thing
4: aren't they They really are, and you don't want to necessarily pick out your own shoes when you have diabetes, especially if you've had diabetes for at least 10 to 15 years because some of the sensation on your feet do decrease if your blood sugars haven't been really great. Mm. So you want to have somebody size the shoes for you because if you can't feel a blister that your shoes may be too tight causing it, then you will end up with um, an ulcer or so. You don't want to walk around barefooted, even in your own house. And if a blister or a sore develops, please don't do your own surgery. That's
1: very helpful. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Missy, you know, we've introduced you as a certified diabetes educator with the WakeMed Diabetes Management Program. Can you tell us a little bit about the WakeMed Diabetes Management Program, how that works, and who's uh, eligible to use this service?
4: Absolutely. Um, Anybody is eligible. We do have um, inpatient uh, services for the patients that come to WakeMed, Cary, North, and Raleigh campuses. Um, We have outpatient services that are fed through primary care physicians and also the inpatients that come to WakeMed. We have a diabetes support group as well, and this is a virtual thing. You can find it um, on the WakeMed web or WakeMed site um, or call 919-350-2198. It happens on Wednesdays, the first Wednesday of each month from 6 to 8 p.m.
2: And are these classes virtual or are they in person or do you have a hybrid option for folks?
4: We have both right now. We have virtual and we have uh,
2: in person. This is such a great resource. I've learned so much today, and we really appreciate Missy. I've, I'm, I'm literally looking at my water bottle right now. I need to prevent this in the future. I've also um, took the dogs for a walk this morning, so I, I need to get a get a little bit ahead of this. Um, watching my food intake. The Italian food has been uh, heavy lately, um, so I need to just be a little bit careful. I think especially with. Um, Covid, we've seen you know people have gotten a little bit loose on maybe their eating habits, and um, I'm I'm sure that we all should be a little more aware of what we're doing to prevent uh, type two diabetes in the future.
1: Yeah, Missy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about the WakeMed Diabetes Education Team and the the WakeMed Diabetes Management Program, you can uh, Google that, and it comes up pretty quick, WakeMed Diabetes Management Program. That will be the top result for you there. And the phone number that Missy gave out earlier is 919-350-2100. 919-350-2198. 919 9, 9, Missy Jernigan, she's a certified diabetes educator with the WakeMed Diabetes Management Program. Missy, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise today.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Missy, we appreciate your time as well. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, head on over to transitionslifecare.org. TransitionsLifeCare.org. Dot org. We're out of time for today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for joining us here on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF News, Talk, Traffic. Have a great day.
0: You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.